welcome everyone to episode number four of My Life in Recovery. I am your host, Rick G, and I've got another great episode for you today. My guest is going to be Dante G. He is from Detroit slash Chicago, and we get into some great subjects today. Anything from multiple relapses to hospital visits to... um, sponsees and and just a lot of great recovery talk. So if you are struggling with recovery, you know someone who is struggling with recovery, please feel free to reach out to me or you can find us on Facebook under Alcoholics Anonymous Support Group. It is a page dedicated to helping people in recovery and there's a lot of great stuff there. So with that, let's get on to the episode. Welcome back to another edition of My Life in Recovery podcast. Again, I am Rick G and I'm an alcoholic. Today, I am joined by my brother from another mother, Dante G. He is from Chicago and Detroit. Uh, I've seen him in Zoom meetings from both places, and I've got to get the important stuff out of the way today first, Dante. Who are you rooting for? The Lions or the Bears? Because they are playing right now. <laughs> you know, this is actually, I get this question a lot. You know, um, it's, you know, you know um, beginning of the year, it's like watching, it's like having two sons play for two different teams and they're not playing each other. What kind of feeling is that, you know? But um, yeah. after the break, it's like, all right, who's got the better chance? I love you, but you're not doing nothing. Don't get in the way like my Bears are doing right now. My Lions, to answer your question. <laughs> so so what you're telling me is that you're not upset that the bears are winning but you kind of want the lions to win because they got a better chance i want the i well, of course i want the lions you know it's it's like a cup fan has right. been waiting for a few years ago you know what i mean yeah. i want to see my lions finally get into the super bowl you know the lions have a very good team this year you know it's just they like do. I, said, I love my bears but they're like they should have been playing all year yeah, and they seem to do this against the Lions. Well, we all have our teams. What are you going to do, you know? <laughs> all right, so enough about sports. There's probably some people that have uh, turned us off already, but we'll get into the real discussion of why we're here, So, and that is to talk about recovery and AA and all that stuff. So first start off, what groups, what 12-step groups do you belong to, Dante? How many now? Oh, man, um, that's 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 a whole question on its own, Rick. Um, you know, I I started with Alcoholics Anonymous. That's um, that will forever be my 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 footing. You know, from it, I've actually been able to explore so many different parts of my mind and and and, and all sorts of parts of me I had not know existed. You know, um, I do attend Narcotics Anonymous. I actually, it's a funny story if you want to get into that sometime. I think I told you about it. I actually got into it by accident. I was walking to an AA room. I thought it was, and they told me to stick around. And, yeah. you know, well, I found out some real stuff about me. And right now I'm actually um, on a whole different type of, I don't want to say different type of journey, but I'm on a, a new perspective of life. I've had, um, through practice of meditation, finally, only only took me about five years, Rick, to finally start <laughs> meditating um, and journaling, believe it or not. Um, Good. Good. Highly That's recommended. Awesome. Gratitude list. I don't really do one on paper, but I do one 
in my reflections throughout my day. Reflections a huge part of my life, you know. But right now, meditation has and journaling has become key to me. Um, so it's kind of weird. It's it's it is the exact same twelve steps that I've learned, you know, over the last sixteen years of my life. You know that I've been coming to um to these rooms and tables and squares, whatever we're gonna call them these days. Old people call them brick and mortars. I work in construction and I see pallets of brick and pallets of mortar. So every time I see that, I always think of my siblings in recovery, brick and mortar, brick and mortar. So um, anyways, to me, I would say that I'm working. I, I, may, I have the two fellowships. You know, I have Alcoholics Anonymous and I have Narcotics Anonymous. This will forever be my family, you know. Um, but what these 12 steps, the, the combination of what I've learned, you know, because both steps did tell me. I mean, both programs did tell me to seek out the similarities, not the differences. You know, yeah, and what good. one thing that really sticks with me is on um, see, I call it the back of the book, but this is opinion for a whole different topic here. Um, to me, the back of the book, just not the personal stories and the appendices and blah blah blah. You know, this is a very important part of the fourth edition, but for me, the back of the book is right at 164, you know, right, right. before Dr. Bob's story. We get Dr. Bob, you know. Where at the end of it, towards the end of it, it says to seek out the fellowship that you crave. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big word I heard, crave. See, as an addict in long-term recovery, you know, crave was something that did not come from, oh, this is something I desire. You know, something I like. Oh, I would really like to have a, a, a orange sherbet ice cream right now at 1.20 in the afternoon, whatever. That's a desire. You know, a craving is something that I can only relate to as an earning. Uh, not earning, a yearning, you know, a, a hunger deep within you that you can't really have any control over it. It consumes you. That's what I've learned from this. So to answer your question, this journey I'm on today is way more. And I'm starting to see what the 12 steps are about, what this program of recovery is about. It is way more than just, you know, what, what can we not bottle or a drug today? You know? Yeah, and, and and that's good. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on and why I've why I've picked the guests that I've picked so far to get us started is because this isn't I, I don't want this to become an AA podcast. Like I'm I'm AA. It's the only you know fellowship that I belong to, but there's so much more to recovery than um than just AA. So so it is and it's great to get perspectives from of course, um, of course other yeah, other twelve step programs. Anything from AA, NA, Al-Anon. I remember I used to go to a combined Al-Anon AA group way back in the day. And it was some of the best um, recovery I would get for the week, you know. So, yeah, it, it's great to have an open mind about the different programs and, and all that stuff. So what um, tell us your your sobriety date. My <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, my sobriety date um, is December 25th of 2018. So I, I, I love your, there's, you know, I, I ask everybody that question, but you're the only one that I've, that going into the podcast, I've said, okay, I want to know why. So why that day? Why, why, why day? was it Christmas? What happened that it was Christmas of 2018? Um, well, you know, it, 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 my, my, and I know everybody has an original or a lot of us have originals, like plural dates. Um, I've had quite a few dates that I've dried up, you know, put the plug in the jug, <laughs> as we hear on the fellowship, you know. Yeah. But 
there's been a, uh, quite only a few times that I can actually say that I've actually lived in sobriety, you know, because you and I both know there's a difference between just, you know, I am just not going to pick up today. And you know what? Today I'm going to live to the fullest extent of my capabilities, which is right, what sobriety gives me. You know, anyway, so November 12th of that year of 18, I ended up going to the hospital again for the 55th time for drug and alcohol abuse. You know? And um damn, so you were becoming a regular, huh? They I know was you more than a regular brother, name? believe me. I was if I, I wish back then they'd have gave out like Spencer's, you know, some of those places you get punch cards. Man, I could have got a <laughs> bunch of free stuff there. Right. They probably probably gave, you know, you hear some Ativan for free. There you go. Have a nice day. <laughs> next, next, next hit of Narcan's on the house. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you know, but um, yeah. So I um was out of luck, not out of luck, you know. And I don't want to say it because I hear these types of terms, you know. I was hit the bottom and everything. I've heard it for hell, Rick. I got into recovery right around the time you got sober, brother. You know, so that that's about as much me. You know, I got as much that experience with the rooms and the fellowship. But anyways. That all comes into play because those seeds over the years that got planted, you know, is what really created the story, you know, to answer the question you're asking for, you know, um, because I was, I, I had nowhere else to go. You know, I, I wasn't allowed back home. Um, you know, it's, 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 I ran out of friends, which I thought were my friends, but that's another podcast for another time. Right. Um, you know, but it's, it's, I, I ran out of choices and they gave me an option. Either you go to IOP, which you could, which will start on December 15th. Well, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get out of here in two more days and then stay sober that long. Or you can go to treatment. I was, I was tired of treatment. I was tired of treatment, but I've been in treatment 11 times. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's, it, that's, yeah. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Why not get it out the way? Let's do this. I had nowhere else to go. And I really, for the first time of all my treatment centers, for the first time I went in treatment because I really had nothing else to go or nothing else to do. And okay. it was strange because all the other treatments I put my all, my all in, I was not the guy who hung out in the lounges. You know, I had, I had my big book with me 24 seven, any chance I got, I was cracking it open and just trying to absorb and learn, you know, um, but anyways, yeah, so I ended up getting released on the 26th. It was for two weeks only, but it, something was different about this treatment center, dude. Um, I love what the treatment centers, you know, do for, 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 for people like us, dude. But, you know, it's, it's, this one was different because for the first time I was surrounded 100% all the way from the custodian to the owner of that rehabilitation center. Everybody in some which way or form or another was in recovery. You know, the, the chefs were all in recovery. You know, the, the, the custodians, like I said, the, everybody, the technicians, everyone was in recovery. So I got what I needed to hear. I didn't need, I, this is not a, um, this, this disease is not something that, you know, you can learn about in a book. You know what I mean? This is, this is really when I argue, you know, when I see the, the book's so much better. No, it's really not. It's what you learn in, 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 in what you, you know, in what the book says and how mm -hmm. to put it into life. And anyways, so I got out on the 26th and I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. You know, Rick, you've heard of me, this, the I, yeah. I, I story a million times. I've shared it behind so many virtual platforms and as many times as I possibly can because that's just my experience, straight to hope. Right. So be, before we get into yeah. the days just after recovery, let's, um, 
let's talk about a little bit um, of before recovery. So tell us just a, a little bit, just a quick summary of like your childhood growing up, you know, drugs, alcohol, that kind of thing. Was that around? Was, was that around? What, what did you see as a kid? You know, we see a lot of these growing up. There's a lot of things that, you know, to be honest, if you really put it on a real spectrum, you can't remember right off the back of your head what you've experienced as a child. You know, a lot of us grow up in um in in, in, in some pretty pretty rough environments. You know, a lot of us don't. You know, mm-hmm. that really has nothing to do what I'm coming to realize here with my uh with my my addiction. You know, um you know, I I started my, my childhood was awesome, dude. You know what I mean? Like for me, <laughs> you know, yeah, there was I got a pretty average American family in this day and age, if you get my drift, you know. So it's like we all have our issues and blah 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 blah. So for me, um, yeah, you know, I did my uncles. You know, I'm, I'm I am Mexican, so drinking was a big part of the family. You know, I seen it happening. I thought it was normal and. You know, I, it was, I didn't really get my first experience until I was about 12, 13 years old, you know, and it was around the same time that I started experimenting with other, you know, other things, marijuana and, and, and pills here and now and there. And, and, you know, so rec- I had no idea what recovery was. I had, I had somewhat an idea with, you know, the D.A.R.E. program with their attempt to explain what addiction and the danger yeah. of drugs were, that I think about 30% of us were actually left there interested in more. <laughs> I was part of that thirty percent. I can tell you, I think I just like the dare because it got me out of regular school. Like I don't even think I paid attention to what you know dare was actually saying. Drugs are bad. Like they could have just said that and then given me a game to play. Like I don't even re- necessarily remember what dare right. was about. But you, you know, I mean, they meant well. They meant well, and yeah, I understand. You know, absolutely. The time where the where we were going at as a country at the time with this whole. Uh, new epidemic of drugs addiction all over the place, hitting places they didn't expect it to hit because they thought it was a, a sense of low morality or, you know, or poverty. It had nothing to do with that. No, nope. you know, it, it, it's not. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, a lot of uh, speakers who I really, really, really adore. And a lot of the ones I hear, and it's really, it's really true in my, in my opinion is we, you know, we attack the addiction. We attack, what the surface problem we're trying to it's like trying to um i don't know if you ever had to work on an old pipes under a sink and there's a leak that you get that that you don't have the right tools you know to do what mm-hmm. you need to fix it so you end up rigging it so you end up getting yep. tape who doesn't use duct tape for literally everything then you start wrapping the pipe but then you start seeing the water traveling through the tape and start going other ways so now you're just trying to follow to stop the leak next thing you know you got more tape than pipe yeah, that's a great metaphor. Kind of the same really thing that I see here. It's not the fact that, you know, for instance, I, I'll, let me just share this with you, please. You can post this if you want. I even heard this a long time ago. That, you know, there was this pond where people, these villagers got all their fish from. This was just it. You know, and there was a stream that connected to that pond and blah, 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 blah. This village thrives on this fish for food. You know, one day the fish started getting sick. The fish started getting sick and they kept trying to figure out what's going on. And they're putting, oh, let's put this in the water and make sure the fish you know, can get healthier. And they kept dying. Well, let's take the fish over here and put them in this one. But guess what? They kept dying. You know, all this stuff happening until one little girl finally asked, you know, hey, I, I have a question. Instead of trying to fix the fish here, let's go upstream and find out why the fish keep getting sick up there. And it was such a wonderful idea. Like, that's what this recovery process is about. 
know, I can keep wrapping tape around my entire structure, but then I'll be more tape than anything. That's not what recovery is about. Recovery is, is about freedom, getting back to your authentic self to really knowing who the true you are, who you are as you were meant to be and your purpose. That's, yeah, in a nutshell, you know? I don't know if that might have been yeah. a lot there. <laughs> no, that's good. This is this is good stuff so far. I like it. Um, So, so December 25th, 2018, um, you said you had been, you know, you many times you had tried <clears throat> to recover. You had walked into the rooms of AA. You know, tell me about those last few years, like right before, you know, 2016, 15, 16, 17. What was going on? What, what, what was going on in your life at that time? And, and, um, you know, some of the things that well, you were going through. Well, you know what? I can kind of run it up in a nutshell from why I'm here in recovery. Because it sounds like that's what you're kind of asking me. You know, like, you know, what was it like that got me to this? You know, it was, I came into, into the rooms out of spite. You okay. Know, I, I had a baby on the way, you know, and, and it was, you know, um, my mom and my wife at the time, you know, my alcoholic mind at that very young age were ganging up on me. They wouldn't let me be. They didn't understand that my drinking, I have it under control, blah, 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 blah. But so they found a place for me to go. I ended up going there. It's a little spot in the, in the southwest side by Midway Airport. Very beautiful spot. And it became a hunger for a while. But I, I got sober out of spite. You know, I remember my first 30-day coin, which, let's be honest, I lied about. I remember giving it to my <laughs> wife saying, they're happy now. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, it, I stuck around. I stuck around, you know, because it gave me a place to get out of the fucking house sometimes. So, you know, AA, the rooms have been such a provider of many excuses and reasons to be away from the house, you know, to a place to, I need to be around something that, you know, to, you know, that just sounds familiar to, you know what? The most safest place I could finally be ever. You know, the rooms are what got me interested in this program because it was people like you people younger than me you know talking about this happy life you know i learned from about 2008 until 2018 christmas day that there is one thing worse than active addiction with this disease and that's knowing there's a solution yeah, you know, living with this and knowing there's a solution and literally battling yourself. Why am I not doing this? You know, that that's where most of us find ourselves. I believe, you know, most of the ones I've helped, you know, told me that's where I found myself stuck. You know, so I got in and out of the rooms, you know, back and forth because, you know, I wasn't stopping drinking, you know, but it got bad. I want to say um, right around 15, 16. That's when it really got bad, because that's when I started having, you know, my um. Uh, about 14, 15, actually, I started having a new relationship with uh, withdrawals. You know, now this was a part of my life. You know, now this was another thing, you know, a part of my addiction, you know, so I, it was a chase back and forth. Yeah. So, you know, um, the rooms got more interesting around 15, 16 because of those withdrawals, because I mean, come on, if anybody's experienced them, they know damn well, alcohol withdrawals are just horrible. Any withdrawals are horrible, yeah. you know, so that was a big push to keep me coming back because of the fear I had of those. But so you know, one of the things that one of the things I heard you say um, that, you know, is part of my story too, which is, you know, when I got into AA and I started going to meetings, people were happy and, and I wasn't. And so I kind of heard you say a little bit of that too. 
um, what what was your feelings about just even yourself, like in 15, 16, 17? You know, by seeing other people happy in the rooms in Mallory, and I wasn't. Right. Well, for the for, for I think for the first time, probably I probably I think it was my first conscious thought not about myself. I was thinking about all you guys. I remember walking around, and I'm gonna swear here. I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> so, You're good. We're I fine. remember walking in and hearing everybody laughing, hearing the stories of divorce and, and tragedy and, and and hell, man. It was and everybody was smiling and laughing. And I remember like thinking like, you guys are all fucked in the head. <laughs> the hell am I doing here? And I'm the one that got a problem. You know, you know but you know what? I see it today, you know, but back then where I was at was such a horrible place, man. It, it's, it's not solitude today. I get solitude because it gives me time to be with my creator, you know, me and my, and my creator. But back then it wasn't solitude. Yes. Back then it was isolation and I had to confuse with solitude. You know, I'm doing this to take care of me. No one understands me, but that wasn't the case. I was doing this to take care of a inassatiable craving inside of my body beyond my mental control. It devoured everything. You know, I did not like the person I was. I I despised the person I was. Unfortunately, I don't want to say that word. Um, however, at the time, it wasn't I despised that person. I don't like that person. It was I despised me. I just right. me, you know, because I thought that it was me and could try to understand the, you know, the insanity uh, perspective of this, you know, how it is not me it is me but it's like it's like a parasite living in my mind controlling me you know i didn't have too much good feelings about myself i was not happy i was living minute by minute but it was just it was a series of highs and lows feelings you know and 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 and, 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 and when can i get more and how can i not get enough of your know, more of those you know things like that it was so it was a long journey nonetheless with a bunch of life involved in there i say it in yeah. that order because being in, in addiction, you know, self-centeredness consumes everything. I wasn't in the world. It was whatever I got to see and how I made sense of it in my mind. You know what I mean? So right. I'm still learning about the truth about my past. And I'm going to continue learning for the rest of my life and recovery. And that's the most beautiful part of the journey. So how that And that is, that, that, that is a, a great part of this whole thing is that, you know, I know even for me, I, I sit there and think about different things in my past all the time too. And some of the things I sit there and I go, man, I really hate that I went through that. But then other things I sit there and I go, I learned a lot from that. So, so there, there is some good that can, that can come out of that. So I, I get, I get tasked from friends a lot being that there's many people that I'm friends with where I might be the only recovering alcoholic that they know. And so I'll get a lot of friends that they want me to take somebody with them to their first AA meeting or to sit down and talk to them about alcohol and drugs and all that stuff. And one of the things, and, and it doesn't always work, right? Like, like I would say I fail 90% of the time, right? When, when I go to talk to somebody for the very first time ever, when I first ever see somebody walk in that door for the first time ever, and I walk up to them and I say, hi, my name's Rick. Welcome. Sit down. I fail 90% of the time getting that person to come back. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're the type of story of why I continue doing that because, and you said it early on in this podcast, planting the seed. And that's what I tell people. Like when, like when they call me and they're like, so how did it go with, uh, with my brother, Johnny? And I'm like, you know, listen, Johnny might not be ready yet, but Johnny knows where to go when he, you know, 
when it's time, when it's his time, Johnny knows to call me. Johnny knows where to go. Johnny knows a little bit of AA and it's, and we do that. We, we do a whole lot of planting the seeds. So it's great to kind of hear your story of there was a lot of seeds being planted before that flower started to grow. Definitely. Yeah. So definitely. I, I still have, um, you know, moments in reflection, <clears throat> you know, where I can still hear messages that were put in my head from hell day one. You know, yeah. little things that were pissing me off at that point. Now I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> really? <laughs> ah, okay, you wasn't that whacked on anyway. Me, I'm the problem. No, I have the problem. There it goes. <laughs> you know, so you when you got, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. When you got out of treatment, um, on I think the 25th or 26th, whatever day you got out, and you went to your first post treatment AA meeting, the, the one that stuck, right? The one that you're still sober from today. What was that meeting like? And was that meeting different well, than the meetings you had been to before? Yeah, well, here, here's the thing, Rick. That, that date you're talking about, I like how you put that. That wasn't made mistake, but and that, that mistake wasn't a mistake. I like the way my higher power put that together because that was my original comeback home date. You know, it was the 26th of November. You know, coming back home, oh, okay. that was not home like, oh, I'm coming back to my house. I mean, I'm coming back home to recovery. You know, again, you know, I, 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 I love the story. <laughs> I, 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 because it's important to pay attention to the eyes. And I mean, for me, you can, I don't give a shit what you do, but I'm just saying for me, for my, for my own, this is my tape. Okay, and right. you've heard me talk about the tape so many times, and you hear my opinion about the tape. And if anybody's listening who hears about this tape, you know, you can do what you want with this suggestion. But for me, I was taught to play the tape when I'm ready to drink or use whatever. Play the tape. Remember the pain, the misery, the fear, the shame, all that to get me to somehow change my mind about a drink or a drug. I'm sorry, but I got a book that tells me it doesn't work years of experience that tells me that doesn't work my tape is this one right here because this was the tape that i see replaying over and over and over in all my relapses now i'm not talking about drinking and using relapse i'm talking about from my recovery to here up to date you know a little over almost what two weeks shy of five years you know to the grace of god and you know it's a beautiful program my tape is what got me from being on such a path of sobriety of righteous of righteous an honest way of living you know to one second going from that to you know what a drink does make sense because something happens in there and it's not a yeah. quick thing there's something that builds up to it so for me this was it and you'll understand more what i'm talking about after i explain this you know i got out on 26, I took my truck that I bought. So, you know, it's my truck. So I'm in charge now. I found the way to my first meeting. I went to the first meeting. I opened up. I started looking for a sponsor right then and there. I started getting numbers. I picked a uh, commitment the second day. I was going to IOP three nights a week. I was driving myself there to that too, by the way, that I mentioned. I was the one running all this, making sure all this was happening, keeping myself clean. You know, I bought new literature. I bought highlighters. I was going to six, seven meetings. I lived in the rooms, Rick. I lived in the rooms, you know, and, and I, I got my 30-day chip. And then three days later, I walked into a gas station, bought a bottle of Bacardi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what the hell happened? What happened? Well, I didn't realize that because that was the 14th of December. And I went out right. of vendor until Christmas Day. Right. And um, I didn't realize till after I came to, to me a couple of days, 
uh, to the 27 to realize it. But what had happened was I went, I realized I had to go back into treatment. I knew that I, I my, my daughter and my son were coming up from, from Chicago. My mom was bringing them to Detroit for the holidays. And I, I was like, I just like, here I go with the usual pity party bullshit, telling myself the biggest lie. I fucked up again. I fucked up again. I can't screw up when it comes to drinking. I either succeed at sobriety or I succeed at drinking. I do the things I need to do to stay sober or I do the things I need to do that make a drink make sense. Does it make sense? You know, so for me, I ended up, I said, I'm going back to treatment. I broke my little girl's heart. I'll never forget that because she made it and she let it be known. And um, I ended up dying three, three times that day. You know, I died in the waiting room. Uh, that when I saw the video of, um, and I died in the ambulance from the waiting room, from the treatment center to the, the hospital. And I died again in the bed. I had to be resuscitated three times through defibrillation. Damn. Um, and it, like I said, it took me a couple of days to finally get my head straight and figure, cause they, yeah. Anyways, um, I recognized on the 27th, you know, that the reason why I kept assuming that I screwed up again was because I, forgot the most important part about this program <laughs> i don't keep myself sober i do the groundwork my higher power makes sure that i stay sober boom groundwork is what keeps me from doing it i took control of my sobriety. i'm responsible for my recovery but i'm not responsible for my sobriety all that credit goes to my higher power and like i said that understanding is where I recognize why I have my mental relapses, my emotional relapses, my spiritual relapses. You know what I mean? And I'm glad today because recovery has made it possible for me to be able to catch those or surround myself with people who catch it for me, you know, and remind me of that. You know, the 27th is when I realized, you know, I cannot do this. And I got on my knees and well, I was going to go to sleep that night. I was, I was going to read the book that night. I was in rehab. And everybody was watching the game. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go read my book. And I went to wash my, my wash my face, use the washroom, brush my teeth. And then I said, no, I'm going to go to sleep. To hell with it. And before I went to lay down, something said, get on your knees. And I did. And Love I started to talk. I didn't pray. I remember a, a seed. A seed. We talked about seeds earlier. I remember a seed somebody that I heard a long time ago in a speaker. California, man. And he mentioned now remembering having that first drink. Not the first drink, but you're having a day. You're having a day. It doesn't matter what kind of day it is. You no, know, for alcoholics, we don't need a day. We just, a day that ends with why, and that's a day. Yep. A reason to drink. And you're just, you're, you're tight, and you're wound up, and you take that, you crack it open, you take the first sip, and your body naturally goes, <sighs> you know? And I remember him saying, and this is years ago, back in like, 16 17 and he said i bet you if you get home get on your knees and talk to your creator your higher power whatever that is and just get open don't worry about how it sounds and the holiest of the, the greatest and you know it's of the, 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 the hell with all that <laughs> you know god didn't want me to get righteous brother god wanted me to get honest and i and you yes. know what i got honest that night and there was a lot of tears there was a lot of cussing I insulted him. I told him how I felt about him and his believers and how AA is a bunch of stupid idiots that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And you know, all this shit. But I did say something. I did say, I don't know what the fuck you have me here for. You know, 
as a suicide survivor, I've attempted suicide so many times and every single time, obviously, it has not succeeded. And I remember telling you, you won't let me die and you won't let me live because addiction is not a life. It's not. You know, and I said, so if I walk out of this rehab, God, I gave him an ultimatum. It's funny. I thought I had some kind of power. If I walk out of this rehab, God, ain't nothing different. I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with my kids. I'm done with everybody. I'm letting the streets have me. And I got up after that, you know, some more talking, blah, blah, blah. And then I got up, I laid down, and I remember laughing so hard because I laid down. The first thing I did was, <sighs> and I went to bed that night, and I, I woke up, and you know what? Something was different. And Things just felt a little day, different. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is different. And that, again, is the beautiful part about the awakening of this journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Sounds like sounds like you already had a higher power at that point, but that was the day where, you know, we talk about turning our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Sounds like maybe even before you worked that step, that may have been the night that you did that. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but, you know, just from listening to your story, it sounds like, you know, that may have been the thing that kind of changed was like you had talked about. You were all those times that you relapsed, you were trying to take control. And maybe this was the time where you finally like let, you know, let God take the wheel. Um, so so that's good. So so you're going through and I know you've uh, you know, we've talked about sponsorship and all that stuff a ton just between you and me. And just for those listening, um, there was a time and we might get into some of this a little later, but there was a time where you and I talked every Saturday morning for hours. Um, and, and it was great. You know, I, I, I miss those days, but one of the things that we always brought up was sponsorship back then. Cause we were, man, we were, it was high COVID. I mean, we, it seemed like we were sponsoring everybody on the planet in one way or another. Um, but tell me about finding, um, finding your your either current sponsor if he still is or your first sponsor um you know i, I don't think he would care if we said his name so i'm just going to say his name but um how did you get in contact with ralph for the first time <laughs> you know i love sharing a story because this is majority of my stories that i share a lot of times it, 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 i get a lot of feedback that i indulged a little bit right over i'm, like, I'm not that i'm indulging like these were true miracles in my, in my life. You know, when I call my sponsor, Ralph, you know, a godsend, I mean, there is no hyperbole there. He truly, truly is a godsend to me. And I'll, let me explain. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, I always call myself, you know, the stubborn alcoholic, the stubborn yeah. addict, Dante, you know, they, even now on my new journey, I, I, I label, I kind of name myself the stubborn seeker because that's what I am, a seeker, but still stubborn. I, my, my convalescence in recovery, it's funny because I look back and I'm like, what the hell was wrong with me? Good Lord. I had bad history with sponsors. You know, I uh, was actually labeled verbally <laughs> by an old timer at an AA meeting one time that I, this kid right here is unsponsorable. He's done. Mm. And, you know, and, and of course I got over the resentment to that bullshit. But anyways, I've, um, I've, stolen from sponsors i've um i've <laughs> done some pretty things with you know not so so pretty things with their partner you know i my convalescence was horrible i set one sponsor's couch on fire <laughs> intentionally um you know so nobody really wanted to sponsor me and here i am now clean serious with this new sense of you know 
and uh, courage and confidence that, that the book tells me about. And I can't find a sponsor. And I've tried self-sponsoring and obviously it doesn't work for me. And so I kept doing the same thing I was doing prior, you know, uh, going to IOP, continue to do this again and everything. But this time I was trusting my higher power more than ever because, and you asked me earlier, you know, I was kind of, you said, you mentioned how I was kind of doing that step prior to taking the step. That's funny that you mentioned that because that's actually kind of what was happening. So about five and a half months, I asked for, I asked some other stranger I remember before for to sponsor me. He said, no, he didn't know me, but it's still regardless. No. So I was pissed and I got out and I got, I didn't leave. But when I was going to my truck after the meeting, I remember looking up and telling God, like, you know what, asshole, you do it. You fucking do it. You know, you, I, I, I'm trying here. You, I can't find a sponsor. You find me a sponsor, you know, and <laughs> I still get emotional to do it. Cause that was a Wednesday, Friday morning. I'm walking out of that same meeting and my mom calls me and goes, Hey, a friend of mine just came by. I haven't seen him in about 25 years. He just moved back up from Texas. He lived here in Detroit, but you know, he moved back from Texas and yeah, he had one of those ANA coins that you, that you guys have. I see you showed me. I was like, it was on his neck, you know, like 22 years. I was like, who is this guy? Oh, his name is Ralph. I was like, and he just got back. Like, yeah, I was like, did you get his numbers? Yeah, I did. I was like, can you call him and tell him I would like to have lunch with him? Don't tell him my like like a dumbass. Don't tell him my name, my reputation, like you know. <laughs> but I did. I lied to him. Told him my name was Dan. You know how stupid I was. Nice. And um. Anyways, um, I told him my story, and then I told him I I told him I, I had to make an apology. My name was Dante, and this is the reason why I was afraid to you know tell you my my name. Blah 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 blah. blah. I told him everything. So, and then um, I asked him to sponsor me, and he says, "Yeah, of course I would." And we started, we got to work right away. And I asked him, I says, I have a question. Why is it that I don't have the thought of getting hired drinking? He's like, yeah, isn't that a good thing? I says, yeah, but my experience also tells me it's also a bad thing. <laughs> you know, I, this is a reality for me. I got to keep this, I don't want to be focused on it and, you know, hyper-focused and obsessed with it, but I have to remember this is a reality. And he goes, well, what have you been doing for the last like six months? You know, and I explained to him what happened in the hospital and how, you know, I got on my knees that night and for the next day and then the following day and then the remaining days, I was connected with my higher power as soon as I could in the day. And I was literally so afraid of thinking about drinking and getting high that I ran every, and I really mean to, this is a part of my OCD, but I ran every single thought by my higher power. You know, from where am I going to go? What am I going to eat? Should I get cigarettes from here? Should I get cigarettes from there? Things like that. You know, and, and and you know what? That got me closer to God because I asked him, why am I not drinking? I don't have a sponsor. Da, 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 da. And he goes, but the thing is, you got on your knees because you gave up. Yeah. Accepted your reality, Dante. And you've been talking to God more than you talk to anybody. You love. Why do you, what do you think that is? Why are you doing that? It seems like you came to believe that he can help you. And you're running every thought. That steps one, two, three. You know, and not the whole one, two, three, but you know, that, right. that's getting going on the first three steps, acceptance and surrender. And yeah. And, and Ralph's been my, um, Ralph's I've been Ralph's paying the ass for the last four and a half years. You know, like I always say, yeah. him and my wife are the only two knuckleheads that said yes to me. So they're stuck. <laughs> well, I, I know a couple others, uh, 
you know, the, a story that we'll get into here in a little bit. But I know there's a couple others when it came to starting an online group that said yes to you too, and there are times he regretted it too. But but that that's a that's a different story. Um, so so you talk about your sponsor. I you know, in the time that I've known you, I don't think that I've ever met anyone who has taken on as many sponsees <laughs> as you have. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard you say no to anyone. And um, you know, so I just kind of want to go through, go through how many times now, if you count going through the steps with sponsees, how many times have you been through the steps now? You know, Rick, it, it, it's, yeah, I have had a lot in my time and I'm grateful for every single one of those relationships. Um, and to be honest with you, man, <laughs> I'm going to be realistic with you. I've sponsored since I've started sponsoring. I mean, at least over, I'm, I'm in the fifties, at least, you know, how many of those people um, stayed active? You know, how many people came back? How many people um, are not longer here anymore? You know, how many people have, Falling short of the goals. I don't like saying the goals, but you know what I mean? Falling short right. of, of, of the of trying to grow through to reservation and struggle. But honestly, dog, you want to know? And this is a reality check for anybody who thinks it's, oh, I sponsored so many people that I've walked in. Three. Okay. Three people who have actually, or who are now actually out here sponsoring and as as i hate this term but grand sponsoring i love the lineage but i don't like labels and recovery it's right podcast right there so so but but i love that because what did i just say earlier like something that i admitted um and and this is going to get to our next kind of little topic and i know this topic's going to get a little bit off of the dante um uh, story but but it is still part of your story and it's part of my story it's part of all of our stories but um but why I wanted to talk about this is, again, I have just told you that I failed probably 90% of the time getting people to, to kind of keep coming back, you know, but we're planting the seed. You just said over 50 people have asked you to be their sponsee, but three are still going around. One who I believe just yesterday celebrating an anniversary so great for him and i hope that i i get to see him again soon i haven't seen him in the rooms in a while he's doing but, very well he's in good hands believe me but but here's the point and it's like what bill says it's not about them who stayed sober through you sponsoring 50 people who stayed sober me exactly and that's that's you know what it's about that's why we keep doing it even though again i may sit down and have a cup of coffee with johnny at panera bread and then never see johnny again but and guess that's what? okay it, it is because who stayed sober while talking to johnny yeah. at panera bread i did exactly. and that's what that's that's truly what sponsoring is about yes we want to help other people but it's about getting out of self. You know, it's, it's not being... it, it is. It's it's. You know, I, I think that we. I think that we, as a society in recovery, we. I, I see this a lot. I can't speak for everyone. That's why I want to say. I see. I think for first of all, I say I know. Right. <laughs> I think that we put too much labels on things, and we give things such a standard. We put. I don't like labels. I put a label on something. Guess what? It's on a pedestal now. I have to amount to that. Sp sp sponsors, we're not healers, goddammit. 
<laughs> I can't walk around and touch you on your forehead and say, be gone. You know, like now you're clear. I wish I could, but then I kind of don't because that robs you of the beauty. You know, it, it's, we're a different kind of helper. You know, the big book talks about that. You know, I, I, I have been, rec- I have recovered and been given the power to help others. You know, healers in a sense, I don't touch someone to heal. Me in their lives gives them what they need to build their lives. And them in my life gives me what I need to fix in my life. You see, here's the thing. I'm not your dad, your PO or anything. I'm an individual trying to help you, you know, on this journey myself. See, here's the thing. I checked this, check this out, Rick. Anybody's listening to this one. <laughs> We're still listening after my ass. Um, <laughs> you know, it's God does it. I don't find sponsees. Sponsees don't just come my way. God sends me people to help, right? Yep. But here's how it helps me. See, let's just say you come up to me, you come up to me, you ask me to sponsor you, you know, blah, 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 blah. I start sponsoring you. I'm helping you get to your issues. But here's the thing. God didn't send me some random person. God sent me with a person who has the characteristics that are similar to my defects that I still have trouble letting go of. Taking your inventory shows up so many highlighted colors in my inventory. So yes, each person I work with, I'm not learning that. I'm learning them because I'm I'm learning the relationship with them. Obviously, it's an intimate relationship between a sponsor and a sponsee. Real intimate. I don't don't miss out on it. I love that bond, you know. But I'm also hearing me every fifth step I've ever done with somebody. I need a nap words, and it's not because they're bored. No, I am. I love doing fifth steps, man. I love doing honest fifth steps because it gets me to know who the person I love is. You know, and I learn shit. I still think like that. I still like that idea. I still want to do something. Where are these, Dante? These are reservations of things that I still haven't gotten done yet. You know, it's not about my, I'm healed. Now I go help everyone else. No, I help everyone else. It's not, it's not, first of all, it's the, it's the, the road of, not to, happy destiny. I'm on this road learning. It's who's along me, alongside with me on the journey that I learned from how to do this thing called life. So yeah, all those people, it it wasn't that I was running around collecting names. I was collecting insurance. You know, I need, I needed people to work with, dude, you see me when I, when when I remember in the early recovery, man, I used to go through those dry spells. I had a call from a sponsor in four months. Yeah. Hey, what's up? I feel like shit. (laughs) Yeah. You would talk about it in meetings. You'd be like, Oh, sorry, I'm a little down today, guys, but I haven't worked with anybody in a little while. And it's like, all right, I get it. I get it. But glad you here. Like, oh, that's what we're here for. Do this work, let me know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was a little so, hungry. I was a little desperate. I was fighting for my recovery. You know, I had a guy. I'll share this and shut up. I had a guy, a great friend of mine I met from uh, from New York. Still talked to him. Real good friend of mine. And I had mentioned to him one time, I says, this is back before a, you know, we had our group going in. And it was like, I have so many pages I belong to recover. I says, I'm at the point where I'm about to go on these pages and say, hey, is anybody looking for a sponsor to do the work? Hit me up. I need work. And I said, that, I, I, I remember saying, that sounds like a little too egotistical, a little conceited, doesn't it? He goes, no, anybody who's doing this program will see that and realize that you are an alcoholic who is fighting for his life. Yep, carrying the message is what helps you. And guess what? I started throwing it out there, and Jesus Christ, I can never <laughs> take my number, Rick, to the day I die. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? and yeah, I love I it. it. I love I it. it. It's an abundance of God's love right there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. So I am, um, and, it, and it's funny because it's the difference between the people in the rooms and out of the rooms, the people in AA and out of AA. And it's not everyone. I've got a lot of great people who have given me a lot, you know, outside of the rooms who have given me a lot of support on this podcast so far, right? Absolutely loving it, blah, blah, blah. But you can kind of tell the ones that just don't get it fully because the first question out of their mouth when they, you know, hear about my podcast is they want to know how many subscribers, how many people are listening. Yeah. And, are and you the worth thing listening is that, to? Are you interesting? I don't care if anybody listens because, again, it's like, working with the sponsor i don't care if they get sober or not i want them to i want so many people to listen to this podcast i want thousands upon thousands of people to listen to this but guess who's guess who's not drinking alcohol while he's recording this podcast Amen. talking to you today Amen. you know what i mean and it's the it's the same thing but people outside of the rooms they just they don't understand that and it's hard to even explain it like like it's almost like i feel I feel weird when I try and tell them, like, when they say, oh, how many subscribers do you have? And I'm like, it's, it's not about the subscribers. I almost feel like I'm trying to say, like, I'm too good for subscribers, which I'm not. But that's not why I did this. You know, again, this is my way of working with people, my way of spreading the message, my way of talking with alcoholics. You know what I mean? Um, and it's a new way, which, huh. Dante and Rick finding a new way to spread the message. This sounds like something we've done before. What do you think? Man, brother, it's, it's <laughs> in this day and age with the resources that we have, there's nothing, there really is now no way to avoid the, the understanding that there is nothing stopping me from recovery, but me. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. I mean, you've got you've got social media platforms, you know, TikTok, which I got on because I like to see people fall and do stupid pranks on each other. Ended <laughs> right. up being a humongous resource for spiritual intel, uh, spiritual intel, for recovery intel. There is such a huge recovery base on TikTok and Instagram. There is. Man, and, and, and I started using some of my TikTok. A lot of my TikToks were inspirational. I do goof off and I'm a little idiot knock every now and then, you know, but it's I, it's another way to carry the message. God bless hashtags, man. You know, I used to laugh at that pound hashtag, but now it's like <laughs> hashtag we do recover. Hashtag it works how. Hashtag, you know, one day at a time. You know, it's just a, a way to branch out to people. You know, with Zoom. I'm on a podcast. Who the hell ever thought someone would get my loud ass on a podcast? Right. You know, it is just remarkable. The resources that we have today, you know, and and and, and that's not even mentioned the stigma how it's starting to fall down over over addicts and alcoholics in recovery, you know. So branching out has been the huge plus for me. You know, we we got together with 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 you know as a group and started a Facebook page, and we had a bright idea that you know what, let's do this uh, virtual meeting. Let's try to do FaceTime meetings. Next thing you know, yeah, I was gonna say. I'm trying to to help out the archivist for um, AASG, and um, I couldn't remember. Did we use FaceTime in that first meeting or WhatsApp? What? The what? First, how was that first okay, meeting so, I, as I spoke with you earlier, my mom had two sons. One is software, and one is hardware. 
Don't put me in front of the computer because right, like right now I'm looking at a box. So I'm looking at it's a screen, it's not a box. But anyways, I'm in the wrong decade. Anyway, <laughs> you know, um, what was I saying? Um, damn, I almost lost my train of thought there. Uh, hey, hey, yes, oh, yes, yes. So we started. I, I, we had an idea. Let's start a meeting. How are we gonna do it? Of course, mine, my own, my only tech savvy is we could because I only planned it to be like four people, five people. That's really what it was back then, you know. Yep. Let's do it on Messenger. Messenger, and then was it Messenger? It was. was. But we didn't do it on Messenger. We tried Messenger, and then one of our sisters said. Why don't we use Zoom? And I'm like, what the fuck is Zoom? What the hell is a Zoom? It's a yeah. FaceTime app, blah, 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 40 million. And then we started using that. And then we found you can buy it after a while. And then it's like you get all the time you want. Many, and then it became a thing. Let's have a meeting once a week, once a week. And then we started, let's try twice a week. Let's do the weekends. Remember, Rick? And then it was like, yeah. let's hit a weekday. You know, and then people start. Then we started getting the people who were gonna do it, and then did not do it. And then you know what? Man, me and you were doing three weeks a week sometimes. Yep. But it was it was a, it was stressful. it was great. You know what? It was exhilarating. It was it, it was. was like rocketing into a different potential for 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 recovery. You know what I mean? Or, the yeah. best part, the best time that I've probably ever had in recovery. At all the entire time, and, and and you know I have a couple twenty four hours yes. under my belt. Was the beginning of COVID, and meetings just being meetings. So, I mean, I remember getting text messages going, "Hey, Johnny needs a meeting now. You in? Yup, I'm in." And we would just boot up, and we would just have so many. Imp- I mean, it would be in the basement of my dad's afternoon. house. It was on top of the washing machine. Remember that? Yeah, like it just was, it was incredible. Just the the things that we were able to do at early on in COVID to help, again, to help people because they couldn't go to the meeting. They couldn't go to the Southside Club. They couldn't go to the church basement when they needed something. They And we were there and we were already all set up. We didn't have to figure it out because we were already set up before COVID even happened. And that was that was amazing. It was my favorite time in recovery. It really was. Talk, talk about a godsend. Yeah, yeah, it was. Talk about so, a godsend. so what have you been? How has the last four years try to try to narrow it down a little bit? But how has the last four years, almost five years, right? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah. 2018, 2023. Yeah. So almost five years. How has your life changed? So talk about some of the the good things that have come out of just being recovered, how your life has changed, things that have come into your life, maybe even some of the negative that have gone out of your life. I'm free. You know, I I, I always heard. Happy, joyous, and free. Happy, joyous, and yep. free. Happy, joyous, and free. All these years. And I'm at a place today where I finally feel that happiness is not a mood. I always thought it was. It's not. Happiness is a state of being. Content, yep. peaceful. You know, joyous is, to me, I heard this thing in therapy. I am seeking therapy. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, <laughs> and one thing my therapist said is like when you get to a certain in your 30s, but to me, my 30s is whatever. I'm recovering now, so my 30s and recovery, blah blah blah. 
is a time where you get to be who you wanted to be at 13 but couldn't. Yep. I you agree know? with that. And it's like, I get to be silly. I get to talk. I was on, I texted you last night. Can we move this podcast a little later? It's three o'clock and I'm still up with the kids laughing and just jamming the music. You know, just living with, not around, living with my family. Not around my family, with my family for once. Mm-hmm. You know, and the freedom part, the freedom part is the one that really hits today. See, for me, recovery, dude, what I learned in the last five years, more than that, but I mean, what I've learned by staying sober and working this to the best of my ability, man, hitting it hard, is that, <clears throat> like I said earlier, putting down the booze and the dope, yeah, that's a hard part. But it's not about that. It's about learning the truth about myself. You know, I learned today that recovery for me, you know, like I say, I, I, my name is Dante and I'm an addict in long-term recovery. You know, today I call myself a seeker because I want to seek the truth and reality about myself. I created such a lifestyle for me, you know, given the circumstances in my life. You know, I created this person who I thought I was, I was, and it wasn't me. You know, I've learned that it is... Recovery is a process of healing from a lifestyle of lies that I created because I felt it was necessary at the time I was there. You know, today I know who I am more and more. I don't know who I am completely. I don't think I ever will, but Mm -hmm. I know a really good idea who I am. And I owe everything to this program. You know, there's 12 steps. Which way you want to look at it. Work them that way, and it works. You know, if there's somebody plus that programs out here for everything. So if you if if you could challenge yourself and you're struggling with any issue in your life, especially when it comes to substance abuse, follow these twelve steps to the best of your ability. Practice them, because my life has had a lot of ups and downs, as it will. It's life. It's highs and lows and and, 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 and alone sometimes and and abundance of of times where I'm around people in love. You know, it's just, it's all over the place, but you know what? I get to truly experience it today. Like I said, I'm living with it, not around it. I I love the fact that you said I get to, you know, I, I hear that a lot in the rooms. I get to do this now I get to do. And that's, that's so true. Um, so one more, now I've got two more questions for you, but one of them is just a simple question. Do you like yourself today? Yeah. Yeah. And that's Amazing. something that was hard to say. Amazing, right. Yep. Not love Amazing. myself. I love myself today too. That was a harder one too, but I actually like who I am today. Yeah, I do. And then um, before we wrap it up, um, is there anything else that, that you would just like to add anything that, when you were thinking about coming on a podcast, a question you wish that I would have asked you or a topic that you would have loved to have talked about? No, I, um, I try not to make expectations these days, Rick. Good. I like going with the flow. You know, I like going with the flow. I like, I, I my higher power was speaking through me the other day with a sponsor. We were talking real spiritual shit and, you know, going with the flow is the best thing for me these days and it's okay this is what I, god said a word of a quote that I, I hope i never forget and i'm going to share it with you here it's, it's okay to be a straw floating in a stream of sticks 
You know, and they like both of us are like, "What? <laughs> it's okay to be a straw floating in a stream of sticks." You know, we go through life going with the flow. I don't have to make too much of a ruckus. Everything is provided for me. I just have to trust my higher power and accept it. And when I can do that, I go with the flow. And even though everybody else is looks like they're natural and they belong here with sticks, not sometimes it's okay because guess what? I am in the stream already. Just go with the flow. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, again, we're we're gonna wrap it up. We're a little over an hour mark, so um, we're around the one hour mark. So great, um, great podcast. It's great catching up with you again. Um, there's still so many stories that we have out there. Um, so I'm sure I'll have you on again, and we'll just kind of drill down on some topics. And and uh, definitely, I I would love to have a. Um, get a couple of the original AASG members on just to have a quick like round table on how AASG started and all that stuff one day. But thank you again for, for coming on. And uh, I hope to talk to you again sometime soon, Dante. Always a pleasure, Rick. You know, me and you, I, I still miss those one-on-one phone calls. just out of the blue, but that's another day. Thank yep. you for yep. having me. I appreciate this. This is the truly the stuff that keeps me sober, brother. All right. Thank you. Thank you again to Dante for joining me today. What an amazing episode. I'm so glad I got another chance to talk to him. And I do miss our Saturday morning uh, talks that we used to have every every weekend during COVID. Um, if you are still with us, please hit that subscribe button, rate, review, share. It helps us grow. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's just helping spread the message to the next alcoholic or addict. So thank you again for listening. Talk to you next week.